So I am finishing up a two-week series on uh, God calling, and uh, this is week two. Now, what we're going to do this week is we're just going to tell a story, so not a lot of slides and that kind of stuff. Instead, we're just going to focus on a very well-known, very popular story, and that is uh, in uh, Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, uh, or you can snag the Bible in front, or you can just listen uh, to the story, it's one Samuel chapter 3. We're going to read most of chapter 3. So that's kind of, that's kind of what we'll do this morning. It's kind of fun. And uh, um, today we're talking about calling. And the reason we're talking about calling is, is um, real simple. We are in graduation season. And if you're like me and you, you're engaged with a bunch of, of teenagers and college students, you're going to grad parties. And um, and uh, we go to these grad parties, and I look them right in the face, and I say, I'm so proud of you for graduating high school. None of us thought you would do it. And, uh, and so it's, it's just perfect. Uh, and then I get a lot of free food. So I love grad party season. Um, and it is a transition season. It's a, it's, it's a move from one thing to the next. And uh, if, if there's one thing I know, if there's one thing I know, it's that that transition season never really ends, does it? It never really ends. It, you keep on transitioning. And, and some of those transitions may be great. Some of those transitions may be painful. Some, some might be exciting and some might be scary, but there's always something new, always something around the corner. You know what I mean? And one of the things that helps us, and honestly, I really don't know how people who aren't followers of Christ, how they deal with this. It's got to be very unnerving to not think that there's a God out there watching over you. Wouldn't that be a tough way to live? Um, my mom uh, got saved in her 20s, and she said, it's just, you're just grumpy all the time. And I'm like, oh, that would explain, you know, uh, the wars in Syria and stuff. So, um, so this is a great passage. Kids especially love this passage because they can relate to the little kid. But there's an amazing uh, uh, story for us in it. How many of you guys remember the Verizon guy. I don't know what he was called. Maybe he was called the Verizon guy. I don't know. He had uh, black glasses and you would see a TV commercial and he would be somewhere in the world, right? And, and he'd, he'd pick up his phone and he'd go, can you hear me now? And what would he always say? Good. And then you'd see him in Vegas. Can you hear me now? Good. And, and they were bragging about how good their network is. And, and he said, can you hear me now? Good. And I think it's really funny that Sprint hired him now. How weird is that? You know, <laughs> awkward. But uh, I'm, I'm sure the family reunions are strange. But like, um, I, I want to ask you a question today. How good is your signal strength from God? Do you have this open line of communication with God, or or is it quiet right now? Are there any dead spots? In your coverage, is you know how uh, if if uh, if you're like me, you love to go out into nature, and one of the reasons I go out into nature is that you guys can't call me, right? And, you know, like I love the idea that uh, my mom will be like, "We were trying to get a hold of you," and I'm like, "I know," you know, like that's the point, you know. Um, but but sometimes a dead spot can be very frustrating. There's a dead spot in my house. I don't. I don't, I'm not an expert, I don't know why, but it, it is in um, this one 
piece of the room I would love to use as a study in my house. And I, it's, just, it's just a dead spot for the cell phone service. It's, uh, it's great for me to do some writing, but it's also frustrating because nobody can get a hold of me there. And, 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 and maybe there's some dead spots in the areas of your life. How would you rate your communication with God? How many bars? How, how connected are you? Two, three, four? Are you none? If God was trying to get through to you, would he be able to see, say to you, um, uh, hey, can you hear me now? And you would answer, yeah. And he'd go, good. Right? How good is your signal strength when you hear from God? And so that's what this passage is about. And it's a very interesting passage. I, I'm, I'm very fond of reading a longer piece of scripture. I'm babying this thing because it broke last week. So we'll, you know, we'll see if that works. I don't know. We'll Hey, you know, it might help. Uh, 1 Samuel 3, verses, um, let's, let's start in verse 3, and I'm, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, because it's, it's story time, okay? So let me just read through this uh, chunk of Scripture, tell you this story, and then we'll kind of unpack it a little bit. 3, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, from the Lord, uh, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. And one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God, and suddenly the Lord cried out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? And he got up, and he ran to Eli, and he goes, here I am. Did you call me? And Eli, blurry with sleep, sits up and says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord. So the Lord called him a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. And uh, he said, here am I. Did you call me? Eli realized finally on the third time that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, hey, I got an idea. Go and lie back down. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before. Now this is one of the most critical. You may have never noticed this before. This is one of the most critical verses in the entire Bible. We're going to unpack verse 10 in a moment. There's only nine other verses like this verse in the entire Bible. I bet, I bet you've never paid attention to this verse, but you'll notice something that only happens nine other times. And the Lord came and called us before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from the beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever. And because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offering. 
Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son, here I am. Samuel replied, what did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. Now, let's stop for a moment. What did the Lord say to him? Now, I don't know about you. This is a very familiar passage. I grew up in Sunday school. They had the flannel graph. You all know what the flannel graph was? Oh, the flannel graph is a tool of the Lord. It is a giant felt board, right? And then you would pick the most hyper ADD kid out of the class, and he would be the person in charge of sticking the little paper people to it. And, and for, it was magic. I don't know how it stuck, but then it would, you could pull it off and stick it back on, and, and then you could make Samuel sideways and fly him like a spaceship, and then you would get yelled at by the teacher, and you'd put it back, and then you'd do it again. And I mean, that wasn't me. It was... It was someone else. But uh, um, this is where the story would stop. This is where the story... And then God called Samuel, and we'd all be like, Hooray! I want that to happen to me and Space Samuel, right? And, and so that's where it would stop. But if you keep going, if you read the adult version of the story, you realize that Samuel, as a probably 10 or 11, and certainly no older than 12 years old, just got the first word of prophecy heard in the land of Israel, basically since Moses, and he said, I'm going to judge the guy who was basically your father figure and all of his sons, and they're blaspheming. Good night. <laughs> Could you imagine this 10-year-old going, okay, well, that's it for sleep for me, huh? Then he wakes up, and he goes to, he goes to Eli, and he says, uh, and Eli says this in 17. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything. And may, are you ready for this, 10-year-old Samuel? May God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. This is a bad morning for <laughs> He's just had bad night, bad morning. So Samuel told Eli everything and didn't hold anything back. You think? Like, he's not going to hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you would do what you think is best, like you're the boss. Father, we need you to speak. We are in an age where people refuse to hear the word of the Lord. I just pray that your passage would speak to us. Father, if you can't speak through me, speak in spite of me. I don't care. What I do care is that every single one of us can walk away today saying, I learned something about the Lord. I've heard from the voice of God. He spoke into my heart and into a deep place and changed me from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Everybody who needs that to apply in their life, say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, can you hear me now? <laughs> This story actually begins with, it's kind of crazy, it, it begins with God not speaking. It begins with God not, God uh, occasionally had a couple of visions here, he'd, he'd give out his word to a couple of people, but this was, there was no prophets, there was no speaking, there, there was nothing. Uh, and really, it, until Moses, or up until Moses, when, when God was speaking again, so this is a crazy time. And Samuel ministered before the Lord under this man named Eli. He was, he was under the supervision. And according to the historian Josephus, he was not any older than 12. So he was just a kid. And, and word of the Lord was so rare at this time. No visions, nothing like that. Um, and, and this is not a good thing. 
How many of you know that when there's no prophetic word from God, we're in trouble? Now, I, I know because I grew up Assembly of God, I know because I grew up Charismatic Pentecostal, that the word of God and the expression of God and how we deal with things in church sometimes is not the coolest thing in the world. Okay, I'm a pastor's kid. And I, I just knew every Sunday that I brought a friend to church, that was the Sunday that a, a word from the Holy Spirit was going to come out. And that friend was going to go, ah, and I'd be like, ah, and we're like, ah, and I'm like, I don't know, you know what I mean? And I just knew God was going to do something weird that Sunday. He just always, he's like, oh, you got new people? Weird time, you know? And, and so I grew up under that. And you know what? To be honest, as I grew more advanced in my Christianity, I began to accept that he's God, I'm not, and I don't get to decide what's cool. I don't get to decide how God speaks. I don't get to decide that. I wish I could, because God would speak through text message every morning. Here's your day, Ryan. Here's the person you're going to talk to. Here's what you're going to do. And anybody who tells you they get all these words all day long, they're lying, okay? Nobody gets like 70 words. And like, I was just pulling in, and I knew God had a parking lot on row 3, A1. You know, and you're like, uh, okay. But there is this sense, I think we've gone too far the other way. I think, I think Christianity has gotten way too cool. I mean, we're, we're topping the charts. We got Hillsong. We got Bethel. We, we got skinny jeans. We're looking odd. We got tattoos on our arms. We're so cool. And then what happens if God wants to do something that doesn't fit into what is cool right now? Who do you serve? It gets scary. And I find that people my age and younger are really leaning away from the word of the Lord. And yet, they're the ones who are also leaning in and saying, what's my calling? What should I do? What does the Lord will for me? And it's like, he's speaking, you're just not listening. To be honest, I, I think that one of the ways that we get into trouble is when God is silent and we don't go, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there's no vision, the people, we die. We die without the vision of God. I can always tell the parents who aren't speaking into their teenagers' lives. I can always tell. I'm, I'm not a genius. I just know the sense of dis-ease. That's where we get the word disease. I know the dis-ease in a teenager's life when their parents are not speaking words of correction, of encouragement. They're not speaking the Bible into their kid's life. Why, why don't parents speak the Bible into their kid's life? Because the teenagers tell them it's annoying and stop, Dad. Well, guess what? You're a parent. You're supposed to be annoying. That's like your job. It's okay. You're not cool. You're a parent. Okay? If, if, look, I get it. I get it. You, you, you know, they, they say that the mind freezes at around 25, and you just kind of think you're 25 all the time. That's why 60-year-old people hurt themselves backflipping into pools. Because they're like, what happened to my body? And it's like, well, 45 years happened to your body, you know? But, but, I, I think it's so powerful when a parent says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and this is the word of the Lord. There's no greater judgment of God upon a people than God's silence. Listen to what says Amos 8. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout the land, but not a famine of food. 
And not a famine of thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Yikes. Yikes. When God withholds his word, the people are in trouble. And I'll tell you the truth. When God sent the Holy Spirit to Azusa Street in, what, 1906 or whenever that was, that was the start of the Assembly of God movement, really, and uh, uh, Church of God and several other Pentecostal denominations. And, and when that happened, it swept the nation. Swept the nation. But you know what the problem is? Is the Assembly of God is now one of the largest denominations in the world. That's scary. That's not something to celebrate. That's something to be kind of weirded out by. It's like, well... Are, are we on the decline then? Or are we going to press forward? Are we going to rest on our laurels? Or are we going to push forward? Do you know what the average age of the assembly of God, that's our denomination, the assembly of God um, uh, average attender is? Median age? 60. 60. So as a, a people... We have got to get out there and tell young people, God is speaking. He's speaking here. Come to church. Why not? Why not? What are you really afraid of? That they won't think you're cool? They don't think you're cool. (laughs) Do do, do you realize that? Do you know why I'm at least, I'm not maybe not a good youth pastor, but I'm at least adequate? It's because I'm not frosting my spiky tipped hair and trying to wear whatever they're wearing. They, they would look, they, teenagers are so smart, they would see through that in a second. They're like, you're such a phony. It's so sad when somebody never moves on, right? They never, they never move on. And what happens is this, it's really simple. We think God thinks like us. And instead of saying, I'm going to start thinking like the Lord, I'm going to apply my thinking to God's thinking, and I'm going to get mad at God for not doing what I would have done in his situation. And, and so we, 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 we have a real mix-up. And in fact, the mix-up is really illustrated with this strange art piece I have in front of me. I, I, uh, I created this in uh, uh, foam and, and some macrame. And, you know, it's, it's great. So I'm not an artist. I'm not Dave Bowman. Um, but uh, I, I do like weird-looking things. So what I did is I actually um, took this idea from a really, really great marriage and family um, minister uh, called Mark Gunger. You have to check him out. And that got me thinking in a whole different direction. He talks about the differences between men and women in relationship for marriage. And we went and saw him a couple of years ago, and it's awesome. And, and I, I, I 100% stole this idea from him. I'm happy to uh, tell him that, and I'm not paying him any royalties. So, um, But I thought, okay, so let's say that this is a female. Ignore the strong jawline. They didn't make a foam female head. Uh, And uh, let's say that this is a female and this is a male. I was wondering, how does God think? How does God think? So for this example, I would like everyone uh, that has a cellular telephone, at least before I get into it, would you take that out for a moment? Just put it on your lap, put it next to you. Go ahead and take your cell phone out. And just put it down. You don't have to turn it on or anything. Uh, don't call me. Uh, and uh, just, just take it out. And then put that down. And then we're going to start talking about the differences between a man and a woman. Now, uh, biological studies have shown us that, I know this is shocking, men are different than women. Everybody go, <gasps> My boys just learned this recently while I was changing a diaper on Everly, one of our uh, twin daughters. They're six. Girls are 
four months old, I guess? I don't know. And, and so they walk in, and they're like... And I'm like, shoot. I am not ready to have this conversation. <laughs> Twelve more years, Lord. Just don't let him ask anything. And he goes, I'm not going to get explicit, but he just asked one question, and I think it just, it's perfect for what a six-year-old would ask. Where is it? <laughs> I just looked at him and said, girls are different than boys. And thank the Lord. He goes, oh. And walked out. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a short attention span. Thank you for his little goldfish mind. Woo, you know? I was not ready. I had, you, know, you ever, man, kids will be like, what's death? You're like, ah, you know? But that one I was not ready for. So here's the thing. Not only are, are women and men physically different in their bodies, they're, they're literally physically uh, different in their makeup of the structure of their mind. Women have larger portions and smaller portions than men do, larger portions and smaller portions. And one of the more interesting things is that men primarily stay in one hemisphere or the other, and women have many more connections. You know how the, there's a brain. Uh, many more connections. And, and so, so what we find, especially in the area where emotions, it's much more advanced. It's really fascinating the new brain science. And so this is kind of what a female brain looks like. There it is. Okay, so this is a female brain. And each of these little light bulbs is connected by a wire, and all the wires are touching one another. And, and then here's your wire, husband. And here's the, the kid and the, the other kid. And here's her job when she was 16. And, 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 and this, oh, oh, this is a good one. You'll like this one. So this one is a, um, a memory. Every time she walks through the mall, she smells Cinnabon. And it reminds her of the time that she went out with Tommy uh, Janowski. And he didn't have enough money to buy her a Cinnabon as well on the first day. So he had to share his Cinnabon. And she hates him for it. So every time she smells Cinnabon, she thinks of Tommy Janowski. And she hopes he dies. Okay, and then here's all these thoughts, and they're all they're all touching and zipping and moving around, and uh, and it all works together. Now the question you may ask is, why, in God's name, can she do this? And that's how I know you're a man. And the reason why, and, and literally in, in, in God's way of creating her, because emotions are so strong, emotions are very strong, they are the heat of the brand of memory. So, so you know, a brand isn't going to make a mark if it's not hot. Emotions, they're hot. And, and so uh, she, she's ready to make an, uh, an emotion and go, but emotions brand all that. And that's why women remember everything. <laughs> all of the things. They remember that you promised you were going to take her to that restaurant nine years ago. And you never did take me horseback riding. And she'll be taking a shower and she'll look down at her pinky toe that she stubbed earlier and she'll go, Oh, yeah. I need new shoes, right? And then just 
click, 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 click. The whole world, all on, all the time. And women literally, not figuratively, literally are better multitaskers. Much better at multitasking. They, they, they brought women in to listen to Russian intercepted communications uh, during World War II because men would get bored and stop listening. Just Russian Cinnabon. No, German. Yeah, German. There we go. Okay, let's move on. You just think about everything over there. Men are a little different. Let me make sure we're nice and tight. Oh, yep, that's good. Now, men have a section of their brain that is a much stronger, uh, uh, more vibrant area that helps them with what we call spatial reasoning. They're able to look at a thing, not many things, a thing, from every single angle possible. They're able to look at all of the angles, every angle, not of that, not of this, but this. And we can focus on that thing. It's, it's one reason why men are better at some things and, and not at others. So if this is called multitasking, this is called single tasking. And so a man is able to do, are you ready for it? One thing. <laughs> Just this one idea, and this is all that exists in the entire world. So here's how this works. Here's how this works. Work. Work, 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 work. Driving. Driving the car. Driving the car. Cop! Driving the car. Driving the car. Home. Home! Home! Home. Food, eating food, feeding food. Ah, 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 ah. Children, children, children. Wife, food, wife. Wife is talking. Oh no. Oh no, what, what, is, what is she saying? Oh boy. Now here's where it gets powerful for a man. A man has a bunch of bulbs too, right? I mean, we're not just one bulb. We're not just one dim bulb. We, we've got other bulbs. Relax. So for example, if this was work, right? Maybe this is... This is... Fishing. Fishing. Murdering fish. Eating them and finding them. Harvesting. Harvesting them from the ocean. And one thing at a time. But we're really good at that one thing. And it's why when a woman talks to a man, she can talk about this and then this and then this and then this and these and those and them. It's why when women get together in a group... are moving. 
at the same time. And somehow she's got room for Sally and you and what I'm saying and and and, 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 and then she's just like and the whole time she's also watching that her son doesn't kill himself in the lifetime fitness pool and all that stuff. It's why our kids die when we have to watch more than one of them, right? And so, so then and there's one more really interesting thing that happens. I think you'll like this the most. Okay, so there is a special bulb in every man's life. And I don't think the women know anything about it. And this is what happens when you turn on and illuminate the special bulb. Absolutely nothing happens. There is no thing that this man is thinking about at this moment. There's no colors or words or emotions, or nothing at all. It was a very special bulb to him. And a man, if given the opportunity, will insert this bulb before every other bulb at every opportunity. It's why when you go to Meyer and you see a man standing there, Sir? Huh? Oh. All right. It's why he's watching television, pushing channel up. Cable was created by men. 10,000 channels. And the woman goes, there's nothing on. And he goes, huh? You talking to me? It's why when the kids come, Daddy, 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 he looks at you and goes, who's that? <laughs> the nothing bulb is a sacred space where nothing exists, no thought, no place, nothing. But let's just assume he's thinking about something. Now here's the danger of the way men and women think. Women think with multiple intersections. Men think with one. Like for example, I can barely focus because I actually hear birds. Do you hear the birds? How weird is that? So I'm like preaching birds, preaching birds, right? So I just ruined it for some of you men. You're like, oh, there is birds. You're like, hunting? So here's the problem. A woman may project her view of God onto his way of thinking. And she may say, I'm able to keep every single thing under the control of my umbrella. I'm able to do all of these things. And, and she may actually have a hard time with her view of God when certain things are out of alignment. Because, and, and any man who has ever taken a woman out to dinner and gone, what's wrong? Oh, son, you have just opened up a, a, a Pandora's box, a space you know not with which the end is near. And, 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 and 
And, and what had happened is something happened over here that is ruining her dinner here. And so she may look at God and say, God, why aren't you speaking to me with this? Because you spoke to me with that. Why aren't you, why aren't you doing what you said you'd do here? Because you did something over there. And she may compare herself and her life. And, and she goes, you know, you speak to her and you've given them, their family vision and purpose. And, and, and why, God? That's, that's not fair. And a man, he may actually project his single-minded focus on God. And, and you know, one of the ways that I see men really suffer the most is this kind of this nothing. Where we, we go and we're there and everything is A-OK. Right? Huh? And we think God has a nothing. We, we think God and us are cool, right? This is why when you meet women, they seem to be so much more passionate about the things of the Lord than men. You ever wonder why that is? It's because men often are projecting their single-minded focus onto the things of the Lord. And you go, well, I'm working really hard. So God's got to be okay with that. The Bible says provide. What's the big deal? I, okay, I missed nine out of ten Sundays. But you know what? The Lord says provide, and we rationalize things. You know, maybe, maybe as a man, you, you, you say, look, me and God, we're cool. We're good. What's the big deal? You love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. Me and Jesus, we're tight. We're bros. When's the last time you prayed? Oh, it was really good four years ago. It was awesome. You know, we're good. We're going to, and, and as men, we can, we can single task. We, we, we project onto God, and that God looks down at us, and he's like, hey, he's doing good. He's trying. He's trying. And we can let things lapse. But God is not interested in thinking like a man, single focus, or thinking like a woman, multi-focus. Instead, take out your phone and turn on your flashlight if you, if you know how, and if you can, and if you have one. It looks like this. Go ahead, take it out, turn it on, and just point it at me. You'll notice a lot of the teenagers aren't doing it. It's because they killed their phone texting in the first part of the sermon. <laughs> All right, you want to kill the lights? Kill the lights, kill the lights. Oh yeah, all of them. Isn't that great? God is not a multitasker. He's not a single tasker. He's an all tasker. And he is not interested in fitting in with your and my vision of who he is. God does things his way and in his timing and every time it's 100% perfect. He is as interested in me as he is in you. And he is as interested. Now, this is hard to believe. He's as interested. Are you going to catch this? As Kim Jong-un, the dictator of one of the most wicked nations on earth, as he is in you. He sees him as a potential saved soul. Now, that's crazy to me. But in our nation, we have become so divided in the call of God, and we decide who gets to hear the call of God, who doesn't. And the Bible says, I am interested and able, and, a, and my, 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 my strength and my power is to notice even the sparrows. Do you think that I can't see you too? 
you could turn on the lights. God himself gets to choose. And when God calls your name, I'm going to talk uh, lastly and just wrap up here about the most important, one of the most important verses in this book and one of the only 10 instances in the entire Bible, the double address of Samuel. 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 Now, in our culture, our culture, saying a name twice means nothing. It just means your mama's matter. Ryan William Hanks! Ryan William Hanks! You know what I mean? Like, that's all it means. But in the Hebrew uh, uh, Judaic culture, it means something even more powerful. It means intimacy. Intimacy. You don't believe me because you're like an American. It doesn't mean anything to you, but test me on this. Are you ready? I want you to look to the person on your right or your left, just pick one, and uh, ask them what their name is if you don't know it. Go ahead. And then look them in the eyes. Look them right in the eyes and say their name right to them. Just say their name. Okay, just say their name. It work? All right. All right. We're going to do an experiment now. Not awkward. Not weird, right? Not weird at all. Now, I want you to look them straight in the eyes and say their name twice. Look at right in the eyes, serious. A little weirder, isn't it? A little strange. I heard some giggling. I even saw a hug. That was, that was sweet. Um, we don't do this because it's not our culture, but in that culture, if you said a name twice, it was dreadfully intimate, extremely intimate. Don't believe me? Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on this boy. As Abraham raised the knife to kill his son in Genesis. Jacob, Jacob, God spoke to Israel in a vision at night, and Jacob replied, here I am. Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground, the burning bush replied. Martha, Martha, you're so worried and troubled about many things, but only one thing is needed, Jesus says in correction. Oh, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He says in reproach, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Oh, the city of God, Jesus cried out. His tears flowed down his eyes as he saw the broken city of God. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See what I mean? This is a key turning point in Samuel's life. The moment the name was called not once, but twice. He said, I know you, little boy. And I have picked you. I have chosen you. When was the last time God called your name twice? I don't mean he told you where a good parking spot is. I made fun of that, but I do believe that the Lord can give you a good parking spot. 
No, I mean, when in an hour of need did God speak to you? It wasn't a prophetic word for the rest of your family. It wasn't some, you know, some thing for uh, your blog post. It was what you needed in the moment you needed to hear it. And if it wasn't that, the cancer would have consumed your mind just in worry and fear. If, if it wasn't that, your, your concern over the finances, and you don't know what would have happened, but God spoke to you, and he looked at you, and he said, Steve, Steve. And that is this great prayer that we can pray. When God says our name twice, all we have to say is, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Wow. Wow, we spend so much. Don't we spend so much time telling God our Christmas list? Don't we spend so much time? You know, and maybe you're spending Christmas list and Susie's Christmas list and your niece's, or maybe you just want the, I just want the car, you know, and, and uh, like whatever it is. And God's like, I am calling your name, Ryan, Ryan. Be quiet. Just pay attention. God knows us. The Bible says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You know my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Wow. Wow. God knows our future. When Peter says this, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. He knew exactly where you would be on this day right now. At 1140 on July 9, he said, she's going to be there. And do you know when he said that? Before the earth was created. And we stumble around in the dark so nervous and we're wringing our hands and God, do you care? And he's like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? I've, I've been calling your name. God knows all things. Psalm 174, 147 says this, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Astronomers think that the number of stars is a one with 24 zeros after it. That's not how many stars, that's how many galaxies there are. And each galaxy contains 10 trillion stars. What? And God has a name for those. You either believe it or you don't. You either have to believe the whole Bible or none at all. So you have to accept. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have to also accept the truth that God has every star named Trillions upon trillions upon trillions of names. You think God is worried about your mortgage payment? He, he, he's like, I, I can't believe she's spent so much time on this. Yeah, you, you, you think God doesn't want to give you the desires of your heart, not the... You know, the, the greed of your heart, but the desire. He wants to. Young people, listen to me. God knows what you're going to do with the rest of your life. He's got it figured out. Have you asked him? Yeah, I asked him right after praying for my cereal. 
No, have you sought the word of God? Have you, have you said, speak my name twice, Lord, and tell me what I should do? I mean, think about it. This 12, 10, 8-year-old, whatever he was, was able to stand up and say a horrible word to a father figure in his life. Why? Because he heard the word of the Lord. When can you say a hard word? When you know where it comes from. If he wasn't sure about his calling, if he wasn't sure about this prophecy, he could never have said such a hard, crazy word. It's almost as if God speaks to us. Hebrews 1 says this, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in his various ways. But are you ready for it? But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us. When God sent Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it was as if he said, can you hear me now? Good. Well, let's pray. All over this house, if you just close your eyes, we're going to do something a little different than we usually do. We're not going to come down to the altar. Instead, we're going to ask God to speak your name twice, to call out to you, and to give you a word from the Lord. If God can't speak to you on July 9 in a Sunday morning service, he can't speak to you ever. But the truth is, he can speak to you. So the question isn't, what do you want? What do you want God to tell you? Who cares? Who cares what you want? What you want is irrelevant. What you're worried about is irrelevant. The only question is, is will you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? If, is God allowed to tell you anything? Young person, is God allowed to call you to China in full-time missions? Is God allowed, or have you put a wall up and said, God, you can never call me to a country that I'm going to be uncomfortable with? If, is God allowed to call you into a tough place, a, a briar patch, walking through some fire? Or, 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 or are you going to put up resistance and say, God, I only want roses. I, I, I will never allow you to call me. Then, then God is not going to speak in any form in your life. You have to say, speak, Lord, any word you want over my life. I'm listening. We're actually going to just take a couple of seconds, and they're going to just play the piano for a minute, and I would like you to do something. I would like you to just say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Can we just take a moment of quiet and listen to the Holy Spirit, and then we're just going to wrap up. I'm a big believer that the enemy wants to isolate us. 
I've always believed that, that the major tool of the enemy is to isolate you and make you think you're the only Christian, you're the only one that's strange, you're the only one that has these weird ideas, you're the only one. So I spend a lot of time breaking that. So I know it, it, might, it, it might seem showy, but I really don't think it is, and I think it'll really help build the faith, especially of our younger Christians and our baby Christians who are new at this. But if you felt like the Lord gave you a word, I don't wanna hear it, it's not for me, it's for you. But if you felt like the Lord gave you a word, just in this moment, even if it's just literally a word, love, whatever God gave you, I want you just to stand up right now. And as a show of faith, would you say, see, God is, is working. Would you just stand to your feet right now? If you feel like, man, yeah, God spoke to me right now. You don't need to stand. It's, it's you know, it's not a big deal, but... May I see? Thank you, you can sit down. Listen, young people. Listen, graduates. God speaks. He has always spoken. Ever since he sent the Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago, and the whole world shifted on its access. You have had ability to access the power and word of God. You don't need permission from a professor. You don't need a degree or a certification. You, you, you don't need anybody else's permission. You don't need anybody else's word. You don't need my word. You need to speak and hear from God himself. I, my words won't change you. Your parents' words won't change you. The word of God changes you, either through the Bible or through a personal revelation or just taking a walk in the woods. Do you open the Bible and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? Do you go into worship and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? Do you go for a walk in the woods and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? Do you, do you kneel down in the closet every morning and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening? If not, I don't want to hear that God's not speaking to you because you're not listening. But if you do, I promise you, God will unpack a brand new layer of his will, of his purpose, of his design. He'll tell you who to marry. He'll tell you where to go to school. He'll tell you what classes to take. He'll tell you where you should show up and how you're going to pay for that car and the stupid transmission, bro. He's going he's to tell you how to do these things. He's going to take care of all of it. Well, let's stand and we'll pray and dismiss. Don't believe me? Ask one of us older Christians, and we'll tell you the same truth. God speaks when we listen. He's always speaking. We need to be always listening. Father, we just pray right now that you would speak. Speak to us. Change our hearts. Change our lives. Change our minds. Move in us, God. Tell us what you want. Tell us where to go. Tell us what job we should take next. Tell us how to raise our kids. Tell us how to minister to our grandkids. Tell us, Father, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen.